some of the just just in a, what's an amazing just crazy story or, or a huge fail or a funny thing that's happened to you as dads that you never would have seen coming. Let's let's hear some something wild. There must be some stuff. I'm looking at you guys. You've got a, a 22, a 19, and a 16-year-old daughter, Alan. Like something <laughs> crazy has happened at some point. Um, well, actually, very similar to what Alistair spoke about this morning. Um, I was supposed to pick my daughter up from soccer practice, her and a friend, uh, one evening. And when I got home, my wife, Angela, asked me where the kids were. Um, she'd come home completely forgotten. Um, and so I had to quickly get in the car and, and rush out. And thankfully, they were still there. So <laughs> not only my own daughter, but the, uh, her friend as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of the things you do um, when you've got so many kids. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that this was my first and my oldest and, and, and sort of was irrelevant. But, yeah, so, you know, and that's one of the things that uh, you get, you know, parent brain. Mate, have any of you... I mean, this one uh, we've heard forgotten. Have any of you, like, temporarily lost a kid? Like, have you been through that? Like, you know, you're in an event, just me. Fun, do, you mean, fun, do you mean by accident? Yeah, like, you're, like, you, <laughs> yes, not deliberately. No, I've never done that. <laughs> no, you know, you're at an event and there's thousands of people, right? And the kid's just there playing and, yep, they're there playing. And, no, they're not. Yeah, that, that moment of where are they, that is... Horrifying, right? Funnily enough, I remember having that happen to me as a kid and, and oh, yeah. not, not being able to find my parents. Yeah. But um, sorry to take over here. Once again, the oldest child, when she was probably about two, two and a half years old. So only child at this point. Our only child yeah. still at this point, yes. And I was, we were living in a little two-bedroom flat and I was out the back um, hanging the washing and Angela came out to me and asked me where she was. And I said, I thought she was inside with you. And uh, she said, no. And uh, so we got a bit, after we got over the initial shock, went for a search. And I, we were in a, a block of flats that there's a few flats in front of us before the road. And I quickly walked out towards the road and looked down. And just before where a creek was running, there she was toddling along. Happy as Larry, and, and I called out to her, and she sort of turned around, looked at me, and said, Oh, sort of looked at me as if to say, Hi, Dad, and, and started toddling back again, as if, no, she was just going for a wander. Um, that was one, and the other one was when the policeman contacted us and said, Have you lost a child? Um, no, I think he turned, and this was our last one. Um, knocked on the door with, with him, and um, thankfully returned him to us. We hadn't realised he was missing at that stage. The, the policeman was off duty, he was a neighbour, so yeah, thankfully. I'm so thrilled I asked you to join the panel tonight, Alan. Um, uh, uh, Carl, you're going to go. No, I think um, one of the things that has taken me by surprise is probably the extreme things that kids can say. Oh, my, my nine-year-old son, for example, my Father's Day card simply said, I mean, Angela said, what would you like to say to your father in the card? And he wrote, thank you for playing with me. Which I thought was, well, that's incredibly thoughtful. But yesterday, he said to me, you're angry like all the time. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm not angry all the time. Yes, you are, all the time. Or you, you, you're angry with me all the time. I thought, he has a way of making his dad feel like garbage. <laughs> and, and kids of extremes. So his compliments are like, thanks for playing with me. His pointing out my, my faults, extreme. And I'm useless all the time. 
Okay, now I think probably we've all experienced this kind of thing with kids, right? Because they, so this relationship, father to to child, brings out something in you that's quite different to any other kind of relationship, right? So uh, has anybody else sort of experienced those extremes? Like, yeah, already, eight months, yeah? (laughs) Tell us. Yeah, I think hers was, uh, or mine was when, you know, uh, we had... A baby through surgery, uh, the CS. So uh, it happened so quick, you know. We we planned everything was gonna go so yeah. smoothly. So we got a camera, you know. She was gonna have the baby uh, in the swimming pool. Yeah. So she wanted everything, you know. So we've watched a lot of YouTube videos how it's gonna take the shot and everything. So <laughs> we've worked it out. And so when uh, she started having contraction. Um, it's, I don't know, it was just painful for her. Yeah. So we had to call the midwife, came in and said, uh, it's normal and that's going to take a while. But she said, this is not normal for her. Like, well, I said, you've not been through a contraction before. So we have to accept that that's normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but she kept on, you know, pushing and said, maybe we should go to the hospital. I said, okay, fine. So called, called in the ambulance and um, then called the midwife and said, uh, we're just thinking of going to the hospital. Would you like to join us there? She was like, no, no, that's too early. Like, maybe you guys should just hold on. Yeah. So, but I couldn't bear the pains any longer. So I decided, okay, we're just going to give it a trial. I mean, if a doctor tells us to go back up, then maybe I'll, I'll take that as an answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got to the hospital and, you know, put in some, uh, some I don't know, some of their monitor, yep. yeah, whatever. Yep. And they said, uh, baby was losing, I mean, the breathing was reducing, okay. and so they were going to have a surgery. Right. So I was like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. So they were trying to explain all the medical talks and everything. It was just garbage in, garbage out. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't even processing what they were saying. Yeah. You know, I was like, so what's going to happen? I like, yeah, we're going to, you know, this. I was like, so you're going to open up? I was like, oh, my gosh. But I've got a ca- you know, the camera and everything. I was like, okay. <laughs> so while all of that was going on, then they brought the papers for me to read and sign. I was like, about five pages. I was like. You expect me to read this now? And sign is like, yeah. And already giving me clothes to put on. So I had, I mean, what's going on? Like, you know, and preparing her into the surgery, I was like, okay, good, you know. Yeah. So it was all, it all caught us uh, all as a surprise. And yeah. um, it's still one of, you know, one of the things that happened that I still cannot explain to today. Yeah. But we're grateful that everything went well. And, you know, and when she came out, you know, I, could, I couldn't control myself. I was just weeping, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's lovely, Femi. Femi, <laughs> I heard you say something in the middle of that that I think other dads have said that may not be possibly true, that you couldn't take the pain any longer. <laughs> said every dad. <laughs> you know, um, I was actually talking to somebody earlier this week about, <laughs> it was funny, I was saying, oh, one of my biggest sort of mistakes that I made with one of my kids was when one of them had a broken arm. And as soon as I said that, I realized, oh, no, actually, yeah, no, there was also the time I broke one of my kids' arms. So <laughs> we can come back to that. But um, uh, Lucas had fallen down the stairs here, actually. He had tripped. He was what, looking at something, a book or whatever, and he, he tripped. He hurt his arm. And um, I said, oh, buddy, oh, that's no good. So you know, I put him in the car and take him back. We were, had the office down the road. Took him back to the office, and he was still in pain. I said, are you all right, buddy? No, it's really sore. And I, I rang Joe and said, he's really complaining. I don't know if I should take him to the doctor or hospital, or what do you think? And she says, well, can he lift his arms over his head? And I said, buddy, can you lift your arms up? And he goes, oh, no, no. 
And I go, no, no, like this. <laughs> ah! Yeah, and he, oh, he has broken his collarbone. Oh, okay, yep. Yep. Okay, I'm sure he had broken his collarbone before I lifted his arm up. I'm, How I'm many con- broken bones con- have you had in your family? Sorry? How many broken bones have you had in your family? Just the two. We've never had any broken bones oh, in ours. Really? No. I've not been involved in any either. <laughs> well, you haven't had one yet. That's true. Early days, Carl. Early days. <laughs> okay. Um, Tim. Tim, share some, some insight now. I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, it's great that Femi talked about the birth. We've probably all got those, those birth stories, right? And there's that crazy moment, right, where you, you weren't a father and now you are. And then within about an hour, that was normal, right? That was life. I've now got a child and that does, I can't remember what it was to not have a child, right? But you've had quite, obviously with foster kids, your own kids, stepkids, grandkids, like it's, it's different, but there must be some things that are same. How does that relationship when somebody new comes into the family like that, like what is, what is that like? Well, that's a bit serious. Sorry. That's good. Let's have go a, down that road. That's a good road. So what well, I was just thinking about this morning and, and the foundations and just looking at the foundations for my life and um, I guess looking at my father and, and grandfather. So I inherited very few words and even less emotions. <laughs> So, um, so, so my journey has not been one That's like this good. because a kid gets born and it's born and you take it home and do what you have to do and a foster kid arrives. and So um, from the highs and lows, yeah, I'm not quite sure, but um, I do remember um, when stepchildren were, were about to come into my life and um, the eldest daughter, stepdaughter, was absolutely thrilled because she wouldn't have to look after a mum in her old age. The middle daughter went and talked to her pastor's wife and said, look what mum's dragged in. And, uh, oh, sorry, Joe, did you really say that? (laughs) And the youngest said, it just wasn't fair. My kids had a dad and her, and she didn't. So, you know, and just dealing with different things like that through life's journey. And I remember the first foster kid we picked up and we'd done all the social welfare courses and then as efficient as they were back then, we didn't hear anything. And then on Christmas Eve one year, we got a phone call and said, you're still interested in fostering? We have a eight-year-old boy who's in court at the moment and the chances are he won't be allowed to go home. And um, so then we got a, so we sort of had a quick discussion around that and thought, hmm, okay, Christmas time and all the rest, that's going to be tricky. And um, so we got a message about four o'clock on Christmas Eve to say, uh, yep, that child has to go into care. Can you go to his house tomorrow and pick him up? No social worker with me or anything. And on Christmas Day, I have the privilege of going knocking on somebody's door and saying, I'm taking your child. Wow. Um, fortunately, they were Seventh-day Adventists. No, um, who doesn't have Christmas? Um, <laughs> Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> fortunately, they're Jehovah's Witness. So there wasn't a Christmas tree. There was absolutely nothing I knock on the door, and the little brothers and sisters come to the door and say, are you a policeman? 
And um, so that was our introduction to fostering and um, quite an interesting introduction. Look, I think there's, I mean, because we actually, you, you start to have different relationships and mentoring and what are really fathering relationships with other people after you become a father that you can't have beforehand, I, I think. And that kind of, there's a few questions that have come through, some which are really great fun, which we'll come back to. But while we're in this serious moment, um, somebody's asked this question, I have thought about being a dad, but I think I'm too selfish and like my, ter- my, my time too much. What are your thoughts? Have a child. <laughs> That'll sort that out real quick. Do it the right way, obviously. Get married, yeah. have a child. But yeah. you, you still get birthdays and Father's Days when they ask you what you want. You say, just leave me alone. <laughs> just let, leave me be. That's the best present you can give me. So, yeah, I mean, being selfish, you do want some time to yourself. But the reality is, once that child is born, that just goes out the window. You, you, you don't think about that anymore. It, cha- it changes massively, right? Very much so. And I think it really changes the way you can <laughs> deal with other people in general, yep. right? Because now you go, I have to reprioritize my time in my life because this thing uh, is so important to me now. Yep. Do you know what happened to me is I think you, you are shocked at your own capacity to actually live selflessly yep. when you have kids. Now, we've only had two, so that's our limit. But no, it's not true. Um, no, but what, what is amazing about being a father or being a parent is I don't think it's a biological thing. I actually think it's a mandate from heaven. I think every leader is mandated to father. It's one thing to mentor because in a mentoring relationship you put your skills in somebody, but it's another thing to father because you put your DNA in them and you love them. And it's a whole lot deeper than that. And, and in a mentoring relationship you get disappointed. In a parenting relationship you get hurt. So there's a lot more on the line. But I, I think we have a greater capacity than we realise to father and to lead and to love. And having kids has helped me to recognise, this can really serious now, it helped me to recognise that there's a greater capacity to go without because a father wants to see that their children succeed. But I think that's greater than, and, and, and much further than just your own kids. I think that's what makes a church community so fantastic, is that it's not just your kids, it's, it's the kids. And, and God has a whole lot more kids. I love that you've got a capacity to foster, have stepkids, have your own kids. You've got a soft heart. There's a father's heart there. I think we all actually have a greater capacity in this than we realise. And I think somebody saying, sitting there saying, man, I, I feel too selfish, it'll change. It'll definitely, it transforms your life. But you can, you can father without being bi- a biological father. They can start, you can be young and be a father. You can, you can, it's just having a heart to raise someone up and invest in their life. So. That's amazing. It, okay, so you do get hurt though, right? You just said, you know, when you're a mentor, you get disappointed, but when you father, you get hurt. Do you? Yeah. To explain that a little bit well, more. Because you, you're pouring your heart into someone, you're being vulnerable with them. In fact, in a fathering relationship, you find that you're even sharing some of your pain, your own, your own journey, your own kind of insecurities, your, the own stuff you're going through to, in order to help. Yeah. So you're exposing yourself a lot, yeah. uh, the depths of your heart, and, and so you're vulnerable to be hurt. And I think you, you want to invest in somebody, but if they decide to walk away from that relationship, that's painful. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah. Do you know, I think for me, um, I get, I honestly get the most hurt, not when they've failed and disappointed me, but when, when I fail them, that's when it hurts the most, right? Because you so desperately want to give them anything and everything, and you, you want the right thing for them, but when you miss, mess it up... When you have to go and apologise to them. Yeah. Um, that's huge, though, right? It, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one, but it, hopefully um, you do try and 
get that out and be honest. Yeah. You, ha- you have to show that honest side. I mean, we are, do make mistakes. But the hurt also comes from the fact that they're children. And as you said before, you're always angry, Dad. Or um, you never... I'm not, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Carl. I'm not! <laughs> um, I'm, I'm always grumpy. Um, so don't worry about that. But it's... I always <laughs> fart. <laughs> Apparently. Well, it's the beans. I'm always hungry. It's, it's the always. beans. So, so, yeah, but the, the, when you have to go and apologise when you know that you have been angry and you've lost it, and, you, and as I'm often reminded, um, I'm the adult. Um, I can't behave like the kids. And so you've got to set that example um, of owning up to your mistakes. Don't you yeah. feel like diving on the supermarket floor, though, and just packing a good old tantrum <laughs> in reply? Yeah. Slamming the door, walking out? Yeah. Hey, we are, man, we're going to go over time because it's having too much fun. But there's a, another, one more serious question, last serious question, I promise. Um, there's at least it, five of us having fun, David. Th- sorry? There's, there's at, least at least five of us having fun. Well, four of us, I'm not sure if Femi's having as much yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Is it possible to be a good dad if your father wasn't much of one? And how do I not pass on the failings of my parents? <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to speak into this. Yeah. Yeah. Very happy. Um, it is absolutely possible to be a good parent. And I think we often give thanks only for the things that have been good in our lives. But actually, you know, I give thanks for the father that I had. My father wasn't great at being a father, but I give thanks in the fact that he showed me what kind of dad I didn't want to be, what I missed out on that I wanted to pass on to my kids. And I think it comes down to choice and decision. A big part of it is getting in the church, finding your faith, having God transform your life. But there's got to be a decision that gets made that says, I want to be this kind of dad. And that was my decision. I'm not perfect, but I'm certainly giving it my best shot at being a great dad. And it's not, it's not buying them everything they want. It's just showing them love. Yeah. We, we can learn from other people's examples, like yeah. our, if we did have a good dad and, and our father's examples, or we can also learn from other people's mistakes yeah. and, and try and avoid those things yeah. and decide, no, I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to do it differently. Yeah, yeah I, think. I think, too, um, I mean, even with a good dad, there'll still be dad, bad points. Yeah. You know, and so you can build on the things that were good and think, you know, with the things that were bad, well, I'm never going to do that. Um, so, yeah, so you shape that. And, you know, as the other said, you know, you see how others are bringing up their kids and thinking, well, you know, I won't do that. And so irrespective, I think, you know, we can learn along life's journey. I think, uh, well, I didn't have that experience. I had a very good dad and he's yeah. a very good mentor to me. But if I look at his relationship with his own dad... You know, it was, I didn't get a chance to know my grandfather, you know, to be very close to him because it wasn't a good example to my own dad. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so there seems to be a lot of separation, you know, between them. But I think he made that hop. What he didn't get himself, and he always tells us and said, I didn't get a chance, you know, no one gave me this in life, right. but I'm giving it to you guys. Yeah. You know, I came from a family of four boys, so, oh. yeah. So it was really tough on him, and I could, you know, I know it's hard if, if you're having to give to life what you didn't get itself, yeah. you know, but I think it's still very possible, yeah. and with God's grace, you know, yeah, I think, yeah. Awesome. Carl, this question's come in to ask you. I won't tell you who, who sent it. Um, <laughs> ask Carl what he had to do to change nappies. Oh. Like, what did you, how did you manage to face that task? Angela Crocker, <laughs> I know you sent that text. I didn't change many. I, I somehow had a skill of avoiding that. If you need to learn that skill, I can teach you. But I had to, I, I had to put a tea towel around my face. Yeah. 
and tied up. It's the only way I could do it. I just literally couldn't change a nappy without. So my poor kids' na- nappies got changed by the bandit every single time. The bandit, the nappy bandit, the nappy oh, bandit. While you dry retched. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, yeah. that too. Yep. Yeah. The first time I was going to change a nappy, uh, I didn't. I think it was after four months. Yeah. We had a bit. Yeah. So um, Marissa decided I was going to change the nappy. Yeah. And so she got a wipe, the baby wipe, and the, the nappy itself. So I ended up using half of the, you know. Yeah, one the, wipe the, wasn't going to yeah. So I was just taking each of the wipe, you know, <laughs> cleanness, taking that. And Marissa came was like, what's going on here? <laughs> so it's still, even still now, it's still, you know, a uh, hard thing for me. I still watch, you know, a bit of YouTube videos to see how to get it right. Yeah, well, it's a bit embarrassing, but yeah. You know, if we, started, if we start nappy stories, we could be here for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't think we'll go too much further. Look, guys, I think we'll, we'll call it there. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Take a bowl of chips with you as you go. But um, <laughs> thanks. Give them a hand, guys. Awesome. I'd like the band to come back up. Uh, look, I really hope that regardless of your own family circumstances, that that was helpful, encouraging, inspiring, something along those lines. Because... Uh, in the end, we all have father figures that we can look to, and we all have a heavenly father who loves us so much, who is so faithful, who doesn't get angry with us when, he st- when we stuff up, but says, you know what, you can stuff up again, but here's my grace again. Here's my mercy again. And I'd just like to invite you to stand, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing one more song together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the ultimate example of a father. That you have this desire to see your children flourish and lead an abundant life. A life that uh, you've planned and purposed for us. But God, also that because our relationship is your children, that we are part of this royal family. That you are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you want us to be part of that family as well that you are not distant from us, that it is not a master and a slave, but it is a father and child, father and sons and daughters, that we are part of your family, that you have invested your DNA into us. God, that, that you uh, knit us together in our mother's womb. Lord, that all of that, we, whether we've had a good father or a, or a difficult father relationship here on earth, we can look to you and go, thank you, God for all that you are, all that you've done. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord.